0: Good morning, hi. As Nick said, I'm Chris, and I am one of the pastors here. And this morning, I want to ask you a couple of questions. And you might want to grab a pen and paper for this, just to take a note and write them down. But um, the first one is, where is God positioning you at the moment? And the second one, who is your tribe? So who have you got with you, backing you up, supporting you, cheering you on? And we'll come back to those in a minute. But we've arrived at the end of August and the fifth in our series of Bible legends. Um, and I've gone back to the Old Testament again, having Nick, Nick following Nick who ventured last week with Mary Magdalene into the New Testament. And I want to talk to you this morning about a guy and his mates who... Um, was they they lived also after Joseph, after Moses, after Ruth, who Josh spoke about, a bit, a bit further down the, the timeline, as it were. And this guy, you may have heard about, he had a bit of an experience with some lions at some point. He was given wisdom to interpret dreams, and he had the ear of kings who ruled entire empires, and were massive in the world at that time and he had three friends whose names you might remember as being quite hard to pronounce or quite hard to remember and we'll get to them in a minute. So this morning, you probably already know, I want to talk to you about Daniel. I want to look at where God positioned him and how his relationship with God helped him in that position and who was around him whilst he did that. I'm going to spend a few minutes just telling you basically Daniel's story and then we'll go in and we'll look at those questions and how that can impact us and our lives. So Daniel's story can unsurprisingly be found in the book of Daniel, in the Bible. And I just want to say this morning that I'm going to be covering the first six chapters of that book, which is like Daniel's life story, effectively what he did, the second half of the the book is about dreams and visions that Daniel had about the future. And it all gets a little bit crazy and a bit weird. Um, and it's, it's good stuff. So I would recommend you, you go away and read it. Probably you need like a concordance or something to help kind of unpick it a little bit as well. But this morning, I'm just going to talk about the first six chapters in Daniel to tell his story a little bit. So who is Daniel? So Daniel was born a Jew um, and he was born into the tribe of Judah which was one of the 12 tribes which were established um, when Israel effectively was, was set up. So that's Joseph's 12 brothers, effectively, where all, all of the tribes were named after them. And Daniel actually probably had quite a, uh, a good childhood. He grew up in, a, in quite a wealthy family in and around Jerusalem. He um, was probably quite an influential family as well. Um, he would have been well educated, but at the time he grew up, he was in a bit of an emerging war zone. The Jews had pretty much kind of been left to get on with it, whilst Egypt were the major power players at the time. However, there was this king, Nebuchadnezzar, who was rising up through the ranks and making a power play from Babylon the Babylonian empire and they invaded Jerusalem quite a few times over a period of about 20 years. And he, On three occasions they went into Jerusalem and took hostages back to Babylon. They kind of deported the people that they chose who they thought would be the best people for their, for their culture to improve them. Some, some, some scholars kind of believe that it was probably almost they were like hostages to make sure the kings over in Jerusalem did what, what they needed to do and were compliant. All of this can be read about in 2 Kings, chapter 23, if you want to read more about the history of King Nebuchadnezzar and the Babylonian kind of invasion of Jerusalem. But on this specific occasion, the first time that King Nebuchadnezzar invaded, the Bible specifically mentions that four people were taken back to Babylon apparently chosen due to their intellect and beauty. This led to a rather awkward conversation with Vicky, my wife, last night. As she asked, why did you choose me? Was it because of my intellect and beauty? So I had to have that conversation and work my way around that one. Of course it was because of her intellect and beauty. But Daniel is one of those four guys who are mentioned as being taken back to Babylon. So he had three friends with him who were called Hananiah Mishael a Azariah, and they were all taken to Babylon. They'd grown up together, they would have been friends, they would have probably known each other before this happened. And these guys would all have been about 15 when this happened. So these four 15 year olds get taken away from their homes, away from their families, exiled, deported, whatever you want to call it, over to, to Babylon. And they're taken there with the thought of training them in the ways of kind of the Babylonian culture, as the king saw potential in them and wanted them to be where they could be effective for the kingdom. Now, I'm going to whiz through all of this because I want to get to the key, key points, but... When they arrived there, Daniel um, Daniel and his mates, I'm going to call them so I don't have to say the other names repeatedly, um, were um, They were encouraged and asked to eat food like the king would have. So they were offered all of the best food and drink as they were spending time in the king's courts. But a lot of those foods that they were offered would have been um, kind of against their their culture or not what God and their Jewish beliefs had allowed them to to eat and to, to take. So they felt called at that moment to refuse the food that they were given. Now this would have been an absolute slight on the king and the hospitality he was showing them. But Daniel agreed, uh, made a deal effectively with the steward, the guy who was looking after them. And it says in, in Daniel chapter one, the steward agreed to a 10 day trial where he fed them just vegetables and water for 10 days. And at the end of the 10 days, They looked better and more robust than all of the others who had been eating from the royal menu. So the steward continued to exempt them from the royal menu of food and drink and served them only vegetables. Now while they were there, God gave these four young men knowledge and skill in both books and life. In addition, Daniel was gifted in understanding all sorts of visions and dreams. And at the end of the time set by the king for their training, the head of the royal staff brought them to Nebuchadnezzar. So they'd been in Babylon about three years at this point. And when the king interviewed them, he found them far superior to all of the other young men. None were a match for Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael and Azariah. And so they took their place in the king's service. Whenever the king consulted them on anything, on books or on life, he found them 10 times better than all the magicians and enchanters in his kingdom put together. Daniel continued in the king's service until the first year of the reign of Cyrus. So in that moment of Daniel having to make a choice, he chose to follow what God had got planned for him, to stay true to God in that moment. It would have been a risky decision to take, a like a really hard one, because, like I said, it would have been a real kind of um, insult to the king and of Babylon at the time. But God remained faithful to them. He gave them gifts. He gave Daniel and his friends gifts to be able to grow in wisdom and grow in authority in the place they were sent, the place they were called to be. And across throughout the books in Daniel. Um, across the book of Daniel and the story of Daniel, you'll find out there are other times when he's called to the king to interpret dreams. And I won't go into all of those now. But they were moments where Daniel grasped those and took them as a moment to point the king and the the people in the court towards God, towards his faith. He set an example to them and showed them who God was in those moments. And because of the favour he built up, the king promoted Daniel to a high position in the kingdom, lavished him with gifts, and he was put in charge of basically all of the, the wise men of Babylon. And at Daniel's request because of this, the king appointed his friends, who had now been given new names, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, to administrative posts throughout Babylon, while Daniel governed from the the, the royal headquarters. So Daniel knew that he needed his friends close in that moment, as he was rising up the ranks. And he was able to bring those people with him into those places of authority. And where there are moments where Nebuchadnezzar acknowledges God as all-powerful and the God, there are times in this polytheistic culture that they were living in that Babylon was. There were times when the king himself wanted to be worshipped and he built a gold statue of himself. And Daniel's friends Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego turned around and they said, we can't worship that, we're not going to worship that, we worship God. And as a result of that, Nebuchadnezzar said, right, I'm going to throw you in, in the furnace, a flaming fiery furnace. You may know this story already, but when they were thrown in there, the guy, the guards who threw them in, it was so hot because the guy, the the Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego had said, "Oh, don't God's going to save us if we get thrown in there? Don't we don't need to worry? We're going to be fine." And but it was so hot that when the guards threw them in, the guards actually died because the furnace was so hot. But while they were in there. King Nebuchadnezzar jumped up in alarm and said, "'Didn't we throw three men, both bound hand and foot, into the fire?' "'But look,' he said, "'I now see four men walking around freely, completely unharmed, "'and the fourth man looks like a son of the gods.' Nebuchadnezzar went to the door of the roaring furnace and called in, "'Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, servants of the high god, come out here!' And they walked out of the fire. And all of the important people, the government leaders and king's counsellors, gathered around to examine them and discovered that the fire hadn't even left a scorch mark on their clothes. There was not even the smell of the fire on them. I love reading these and have loved reading these over the last week or so because it's the same God who rescued these guys from the fiery furnace that comes and speaks to us and comes to us today. It's the same God who sends angels to us today to protect us. I just want to mention one more thing from Daniel's time and it's with the lion's den where he's basically tricked, or the king is tricked into signing a declaration that says anyone who is worshipping anyone other than the king should be thrown in the lion's den. And the king kind of unknowingly and unwittingly signs this, not realising that it's going to affect Daniel, who is actually quite good friends with him at this point. And this is a whole new king, by the way. I've skipped some bits. But Daniel has kept praying through this time. It says in, 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 in the Bible that he continued to pray three times a day towards Jerusalem. So he was staying faithful to God in this, where he'd been positioned. But due to this decree, the king, Darius, had to throw Daniel into the lion's den. Much, he didn't really want to have to do that. And that night when he threw him in the lion's den, he went to his palace. He refused supper and he couldn't sleep. He spent the night fasting. But at daybreak, the king got up and hurried to the lion's den. And as he approached the den, he called out anxiously, Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God whom you serve so loyally, saved you from the lions. Daniel comes out and says, my God sent his angel who closed the mouths of the lions so that they would not hurt me. I've been found innocent before God and also before you. King, I've done nothing to harm you. And when the king heard these words, I love this, he was happy and he ordered Daniel taken up out of the den. When he was hauled up, there wasn't a scratch on him. He hadn't been harmed at all, and he had completely trusted God. The king then effectively throws all of those that conspired against Daniel into the lion's den themselves. And he published this proclamation to every every race, colour and creed on earth. Peace to you, abundant peace. I decree that Daniel's God shall be worshipped and feared in all parts of my kingdom. He is the living god world without end his kingdom never falls his rule continues eternally he is a savior and rescuer he performs astonishing miracles in heaven and on earth and he saved daniel from the power of the lions that's the king of the babylonian empire at that time declaring this across the, for the whole effectively the whole world as they would have known it at that time to hear And from then on, Daniel was treated well during the reign of Darius, and also in the following reign of Cyrus, the Persian. So that is a very, very brief, whistle-stop tour, and an introduction into who Daniel is. I would go back and read the chapters Daniel 1 to 6, find out more about who he is. and, And Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego as well are all amazing characters amazing people in the Bible that God positioned and God used and he gave gifts and the skills they needed to rise up and have influence for him and his kingdom in the place they found themselves. So what inspiration, what can we take from that today? Well, I want to go back to the questions that I asked you earlier. The first one was, where is God positioning you at the moment? And the second was who is your tribe? Who are the people around you who support you to be the best versions of yourself in the place God has put you? When Daniel and his mates found themselves in an uncomfortable situation, they were in a volatile land, a volatile country. But what they did was to bring transformation and to bring God's kingdom to that place. And I want to ask you, where is God calling you to show up and be at the moment? Are you bringing transformation to that place, just as Daniel was? And I'm thinking about your workplace at the school gate, whilst you're out shopping, wherever you go. Are you a doctor, nurse or social worker working with people every day? How are you bringing transformation in God's kingdom as you do that? I'm wondering if it could be something as simple as showing someone some kindness, standing up for an injustice in some way, smiling at someone, buying a colleague a gift or listening to them, spending time listening to them. As people who've said our yes to Jesus, we carry God's presence with us into all of those situations. It's not just the pastors, the worship leaders, the people who work for the church who carry him. It's everyone, everywhere. And Paul, in one of his letters in the New Testaments, writes that so we all have God living in, on the inside of us. Each of us has the capacity to live in a way that re- reflects God and points people straight to him. Getting very excited, just as Dan- Daniel did. Now there's a book called Scattered Servants written by Alan Scott. and I'm, I love this book and in reading it, it's challenged some of my thinking about the way we are as a church and how we impact the world around us. And he writes, the church fulfills its mandate when it fills society, not when it fills its sanctuary. So it's building its auditorium. The scriptures teach us that it's through the body of Jesus, scattered throughout society, that God fills everything everywhere with his presence. Everything everywhere includes our homes, our offices, our schools, our restaurants, our streets. And I must say to you this morning, as we bring the wisdom of Daniel and the other gifts that God has given us to the places we find ourselves, we can bring hope, love, joy, peace, and all of those fruits of the Spirit that come with that. And if we pair this with a sense of courage and a sense of stepping out and taking a stand, we will bring transformation to any situation we find ourselves in. What would it look like if we didn't need to run HOTS on a Saturday in Ashford Town Centre because it was just such a natural thing for us as people who carry Jesus with us to offer, to pray for people, for for healing or for wholeness, just as we go and do our shopping. Just as we're walking down and going into County Square, we wouldn't need a special project to go in there and meet people because it becomes a natural reaction for us as followers of Jesus, to bring transformation in as we go and bring his kingdom, his rule and reign and his way of doing things as we go and have influence as we go. Now, if you're a teacher, if you're a social worker, if you're a nurse, a doctor, a dentist, an accountant, a manager, whatever role you have, wherever God has positioned you or is positioning you, He's calling you into something amazing, and that's to have information. And why not, not not information, to have to bring transformation. And why not, as you go, keep praying and asking God, how can I bring the most transformation in my role as a teacher? How can I bring the most transformation as my role, as a doctor, dentist? How can I affect the William Harvey Hospital just by bringing transformation in that place? gonna come back and pray for you in a minute. I just want to go into my second point, which was the question, who do you have in your tribe and alongside you, supporting you as you do that? Daniel had Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego with him. I imagine they were friends, they were guys that supported each other. They went through similar situations. I can imagine them talking and praying together about what they were going through. Imagine the pressure of potentially putting a foot wrong in that situation that they found themselves, the volatile unstable culture. I imagine, imagine them having people around them who could support them, the risk of the lion's den or the fiery furnace coming upon them. They had each other around them as they did that, each other to support, to guide, to point back towards God. And We might not necessarily be facing the fire or a lion's den in that way, but it's so important that we have people around us who support us, love us, cheer us on. I'm aware I'm speedily running out of time, but we have um, groups, circles, communities across Ashford who would love to do that, to be a, a support for you. And I would love for you to be able to, to get into one of those groups if you feel you, ne- you need that. Those communities, those Jesus-centred communities are so pivotal, a place to know and to be known, to encourage each other, to help each other when things get difficult, and to launch each other into the dreams that we have for you. And If you want to know any more about that, then please, you can email circles at ashervineyard.org. We firmly believe that being in a community with people is the best place for you. Jesus modelled that with his disciples. So who are the people that you're hanging out with? Who are your tribe? Who are the people cheering you on? Like Daniel had his mates as they went and did that together. So right now, I've got to draw to a close. I just want you to take a moment to, if you'd like to stand, then I would love to pray for you just to. Just to speak God's life over you and to say, wherever you find yourself now, wherever God's positioning you, he wants to launch you into something new, amazing. He wants to give you the wisdom of Daniel so that you bring transformation in the place you find yourself with or in. So where you are, just just encourage you to put your hands on your heart or even out in front of you as a gift. God wants to give you gifts. Father, I thank you that you call us to be transformational. You call us to bring your kingdom. And I thank you for the example of Daniel and all of these other Bible legends as we do that. And would we be completely open to, to moving in your love and your, your life and your kingdom as we step out. And for teachers right now as they're coming up to to the next term and the new thing, I pray for them that they will be people that are influencers. People that bring life and love to the to the pupils that they're teaching from the age of from nursery children all the way up to, to eighteen, that they bring life. You'd give them wisdom. And this year in school wouldn't be a, a year of regrets or a year of looking looking kind of worried and, and and, and almost a bit fractured, but it would be a year of fulfillment for teachers and for children in the classroom. That you would influence them, education across this town and across this county and this country, Father. Thank you for all of those who are impacting the workplace where, where we are and bringing your kingdom. We love you, Father. Thank you. If anything that I've spoken today to you has impacted you or you want any more prayer, then please feel free to jump across on on Church Online, which is ashervineyard.online.church. And we'd love to to meet with you. We'd love to talk with you. If you've got any questions about what I've spoken about this morning, I'd love to, to pray with you for that at some point as well. Please do get in touch with us. So thank you for who you are. Thank you for what God is calling you to. And I pray for immense adventures for you. Have a great week. Enjoy yourselves. Thank you for trusting us with your Sunday morning. Thank you very much. Thanks for listening to our podcast today. And we hope you enjoyed it. For more information, visit ashfordvineyard.org or maybe drop into something if you're nearby. In the meantime, have a great week and know just how loved you are.